from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Jalen Brown passed out of bio, attacks the paint, the throws out to the corner, open, smart, three, got it! Smart, right hand drill, under paint, over the shoulder pass, Tatum against Struz, Tatum steps to his left, forces a three, oh. got it! Inbound to Tatum, he spins, gets to the elbow, his jumper, right down the middle! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Tuesday. Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Hill is the company. It's Cofield. Lots of NBA to get into. The finals are now set. You hear some of the Celtics highlights. We'll get into uh, Jimmy Butler and him taking the what turned out to be the final shot with 16 seconds left, the shot that mattered. So a lot of debate over the weekend about that. We got more Raiders OTA stuff to talk about, more media availability. This week, June 1st is a big day because it's first day you can start lopping off some of that salary you don't want around in the National Football League. And I think every market is now teed up like, hey, we're going to get a bunch of guys. Well, everyone needs reinforcements and cheap reinforcements. So we'll get into that as well. And uh, also NBA draft exit day. You need to... Let the league know tomorrow. So we've got uh, one UNLV player still in, and other players around the Mountain West Conference are deciding and need to come up with something by tomorrow. So we'll get to all of that on a very, very busy Tuesday. It's the three on Cofield and Company. And arguably our most quality organization in town, the Aces play tonight. Las Vegas Aces take on the Sun in a two-game set this week, both at home. They're 8-1 now as they continue to pile up individual awards, turn the WNBA on its ear with their style of play. I love it. I think I'm going to be out there on Thursday. Hopefully it's another ass-kicking, but it's a fun brand of basketball, and I would highly recommend getting out to at least one of the games this week at Mandalay Bay. Yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? I was like, no, I don't like it. I, I like 266 women no, who go 275 apiece in the post. I want everything run through the bigs. I just you Let's were... get back to old school Bob Cousy basketball. By the way, good news. The Aces have multiple guards who can dribble with both hands. So well, at so, you, Bob Cousy. So they're better than Cousy. Hmm. Uh, I, I just thought you were setting something up or throwing something. I'm I'm all in on the Aces. By the, I mean, when we say the Best organization, I think, best team, because the organization is the Raiders organization. So I think you have to specify it and say the best team. In a... Is it the Raiders organization? Yeah, it is. Um, so, okay. yeah. Are I... we going to get reports soon of a problem work environment? Um, so, wow, okay. Uh, so, Adam with complete silence. So the Otter's I... grimacing in studio for no reason. I think what this, uh, what this – has done in terms of Becky Hammond and her system. And if you haven't watched them yet, like they are very, very fun to watch this brand of basketball. Um, they have just, they have, I think the, the right term is unlocked Kelsey Plum. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. she has been unleashed on the league and what her talents are, are very evident uh, in this system. And obviously the talent around her is incredible. Everybody knew what Asia Wilson could do and what Jackie Young can do. And everybody knew what Kelsey Plum was capable of. And she's been good. But in this in this setting, she is so dangerous. Not only going to the rim, scoring, hitting threes, finding people. Um, she's 
she's just been absolutely unlocked by this offense. So it's it's been incredible to watch. She's a downhill player. She's going to make mistakes, but you can't flip out every time she makes mistakes because no, when you go, go. A, a thousand miles an hour and you know the opposition is only playing five hundred miles an hour, there's going to be times you you, you dribble yourself into trouble. But there's more positive. The negative so far is they're out to an eight one start again. Six o'clock game, five thirty with the pregame right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, meanwhile, the Golden Knights go into a third week now without a head coach, and then they've got to look up as they're on, what, week six of their vacation, not making the playoffs. They look up, and their old guy, well, old, old guy, right, not by age, but their old coach, a couple of coaches back, Gerard Gallant, did, he freaking did it again. So now the Rangers are in the conference finals. Ryan Reeves carrying another team to a wow. conference final. Wow. <laughs> and you remember two weeks ago now when I think it was Willie who asked the question, and it's a great question because there's really no answer. And I, I like the way McCrimmon answered it, but, you know, Willie was like, hey, do you regret getting rid of Gerard Gallant? What are you going to say? Right? And McCrimmon said, like, I have an answer, but I'm not going to give it. Which I think his answer is F no. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he talked about, and, and Ed Graney asked a great question, too. Like, hey, do you guys, like, self-examine? Like, is some of this on you? And McCrimmon went into this whole thing about looking in the mirror. And then he started with, I feel really confident when I look in the mirror. And then he realized, like, I better answer yes, we self-evaluate, and then flipped it around, and of course we self-evaluate. Yeah. So. And I again, and I, you know, I pointed this out at the time, but everybody wants to see their own stories, no matter what is going on. And to a man, the Golden Knights essentially said Ryan Reeves is what they are missing. They miss Ryan Reeves. They want Ryan Reeves back. And when I tweeted that answer from Kelly McCrimmon, um, the response was, "You mean Flurry? Like, no, Ryan Reeves." Ryan Reeves is the guy everybody talked about missing. And I know that you want to make it about Flurry and everything else, but Ryan Reeves is a guy who went on and did a lot of the same things for the ring. Again, it's not showing up on the stat sheet, and it's tough for people to understand that. But <laughs> How about Gallant basically putting him out there like, you want to do this? You want to get froggy at the end of the game? Yeah. We got the guy. Yeah. Basically, we will freaking whip your ass. Yeah. If I send him out there, so don't F with us anymore. It kind of a, a and there is there 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 are not numbers in that. Yeah, there's no real analytics it, it, to break down. You know, guys looking over their shoulder, like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't play so physical because Behemoth is going to come out and beat us up." Yeah, or not even play physical. Maybe we shouldn't fight for that loose puck in the corner because we're about to get blasted by this, and we don't know where he is on the ice. So let's 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 make sure we're uh, we're playing we're we're not aggressive in every single aspect of the game. And and to the the Gerard Gallant analytics point, and listen, I'm an analytics guy. I part of. You know, and the story was part of the reason why Gerard Gallant was gone is because he wouldn't adapt to analytics, and the team wanted him to. And once he once they found a soft spot where he lost a couple of games in a row, they're like, "All right, you won't listen to us. You won't follow analytics. You're gone." And I'm an analytics person, and so I kind of agreed with that. And one of the stories that we heard from the bench in this game, in this series, the last couple series, uh, was a couple of players who made some mistakes on the ice came over to the bench. And we're looking for the iPad so they could look at the, you know, they could watch on the bench during the period what that what went wrong, uh, what was, you know, what was the layout on the ice, who was where, how could I have fixed this, how could I have improved this? And the player stepped in and said, Coach doesn't want us doing that, just play. And that was a story that kind of came out of this. And you can, you know, I I will forever embrace analytics and and talk about like, man, you watch baseball and you're like, Analytics is so good that it's changing, it's completely changing the game. And I believe that in every sport. But for whatever reason, Gerard Gallant has kind of skewed that, and it's worked for him. 
More coming up on Gallant and the success of the Rangers. And I, I see it on social media. There's a lot of happy people who are VGK fans. A lot of them who are rooting for Gallant and, you know, kind of waiting to rub it in the uh, face of VGK management. So, hey, you know, uh, they made a decision. They made a decision on two different coaches. And hopefully they have something this week and we get some idea where the organization is going with a, a new head coach. We're going to hear more of last week's conversation with a bunch of the players and Josh McDaniels about some of the holes, right? Some of the, the perceived holes that the Raiders still have after a pretty good offseason, right? And one of them is on the offensive line. So we'll hear from McDaniels and Colton Miller on what's going on with Alex Leatherwood. If I'm a Raiders fan, what I hope for coming up here in the next two or three weeks is they get something more solid to play someone more solid to play right guard, right tackle, right? Maybe they can add to the defensive backfield. That would be nice. But as I said, in the open of the show, June 1st comes the Raiders shed how much money coming up here? Uh, Close to 20 million, right? So then at that point, they're going to have about 25 million to spend, but lots of teams do the same thing because this is that time of year when you can cut and not have to pay as exorbitant a price on guys that, in a lot of cases, you signed, and this is why there's there's almost nothing guaranteed in the National Football League, but you sign guys to contracts that go anywhere from, you know, 9 to $16 million. You look up, you're like, well, we're not getting the production out of this. We want to go hit the bargain bin. We want to clear this money. So there's going to be a flood of veterans who hit the market, but there's also a lot of teams that have needs. So yeah, how it, the Raiders navigate this is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's, it's every year. And, you know, this is something that happens every year, but it's also – there's a difference in how teams operate at this time of year when they believe they're a contender and when they're not, right? And so the Braiders have shown, even though, you know, I thought that they should go the other direction, they have shown that they believe they're a contender. So they are going, I would imagine, to really be really be pursuing as many bodies as they can that they think can help them this year in this market. And, you know, if you find a guy that's willing to sign a one-year deal for not much money and will help your team, like there's not much risk to that, especially when you have a little bit of flexibility. And that's what the Raiders are going to have right now. we got a lot of local stories to catch up on. And uh, one of my favorite guys in the market is uh, John Tritch from <laughs> eight news now. So he's going to come in with us. He's going to talk about all these great stories he's been covering uh, over the last uh, six years. And he's got some great insight. I mean, he like really uh, digs deep on some great local stories. So we'll get into that with John in just a couple minutes. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Back pass to Fox. Who's it? Shoots it, scores! Adam Fox! It's a power play goal! Down to two, and it's over! The New York Rangers! The dream continues! They've done it! They have advanced to the Eastern Conference Final to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Rangers did it. Gerard Glant did it, as Adam likes to point out all the time. Brian Reeves did it. Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Good stuff. Sam Rosen on the call there, a legendary voice. And I think Sam is going to be doing the national call. Uh, that's local uh, in New York. He's going to be doing the national call on ESPN Radio of the Rangers and the Lightning. So uh, John Church is in studio with us. Hey, News Now. Adam Hill is a company today. It's Cofield. It's funny. I was just telling John uh, during the break because he remembers a couple of times that he came in when he's in today. And I just said to him, I was like, hey, you know, uh, I was looking through your Twitter account. And, man, we should, should have you on more often. 
in studio. It's an honor. Steve. Yes. Thank and then you. John, John's like, well, might not work out because uh, John had an announcement last week, which uh, you sounded sad. You sounded sad. What's going on? No, I mean, Las Vegas has been great, especially the last six years. I mean, things have happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were counting the other day. I think if you count practice facilities since 2016, there's eight of them. Stadiums, arenas, practice facilities, plus, you know, three major league teams, a couple minor league teams come to town. I mean, the, the landscape, it's become an epicenter yep. for more ways than one. So, uh, no, I'm sad and just the people here have meant a lot to me, but uh, you got you to chase dreams. So, so John's right. moving on. <laughs> yeah, you have Undisclosed to. right now. He'll have an announcement at some point, but uh, he's going to be leaving Vegas. And but I will. I'll tell you. I I know Vegas for a lot of people is a stepping stone. Like I, I'm not bagging on TV people in general, but I see the reporters come to town. They're here for two or three years, yeah. and they're out. Um, but I think John's different because John. I, I really do think you you established a pretty good foothold on the local stories, and if. Adam knows if you're around John when he's asking questions at press conferences and scrums, they're just the questions are just different. Well, a lot of times than everyone else, they're just they're different. And a lot of, I look I look at him, I'm like, that's a good question. You know, meanwhile everyone else is kind of like hard charging, and John's trying to you know get into some cool angle. So yeah, you said his questions are different. John's different, and it actually it's sad. I I was as as much as, as crusty and sarcastic. <laughs> I, I was sad. I was I I am sad for a couple yeah. reasons. First, I have not. John said he's chasing dreams. I have not accomplished my goals yet. Uh, <laughs> my goal clearly has been to corrupt John. Oh uh, yeah, uh, in You're many out of time. in many many ways, and You're I've run right out. out. But like there is a there's there's something about having him around where. Was he didn't get jaded like the rest of us to where you're as you're saying like everybody else is kind of yes you you Steve also what? Uh, everybody you said everybody's kind of hard charging and like right. there's like a, a like John I'm, I'm not saying John is like soft but he's like genuine <laughs> there's like something actually we're, genuine we're complimenting you and pure it, it, and we, like it feels so difficult it doing does. it there's something genuine and pure about him yeah. but but there's a, there is uh -oh. a giant but here. Uh -oh. There's been one thing that I really, really wanted to do to corrupt John before he left. And I heard recently that I wasn't around and it happened. Did you actually have a soda? No. <laughs> I heard that you did. And I've right. been trying to make you have yeah. a soda for like yeah. five years. And there's no moral uh, uh obstruction towards soda but i just i've never had it and like i, I can't i can't do carbonation like it it just it just zaps me but i heard you that, had one on accident yeah i got on in, accident like <laughs> somebody slipped me a drink so that's <laughs> what happened it, but it was it was like the softest wasn't it a sprite yeah it was and you thought it was a water and i just lost control oh, was it? Yeah, it was yeah, delicious. i lost control <laughs> yeah it was okay. delicious wasn't it i had to be driven home yeah it was, <laughs> it was, so I appreciate that. It didn't change you? You're not, no, you're not, you're not all in? No, I'm, I'm not okay. jaded, so Fair I appreciate enough. it. But that, thanks for making me out to be the golden retriever of the media scrum. But I'm trying that. to say is that you're, you are, yeah. but you're not. Like you, yeah. Yeah. You're very good at the job. It's just a different approach, and yeah. it, it comes from you just being a different type of person. And and I, I, like I admire it. It's not something I have. Like I, I can never yeah. be that like, like not skeptical of the world. Not that you aren't. I, I, I don't... <laughs> 
You, I, I hope you understand way, what I'm I trying book, to say. I booked John today, like last week, and I didn't tell Adam at all. I had no idea Adam was going to get like, <laughs> no, this like, is no, good. Like you, all mushy. But, no, you, you did tell me. <laughs> you told me the other day that he was coming in. Oh, I was okay, like, thank. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm very glad. I'm. I'm very glad I'm going to be there when he's there. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I hope that you understand. That I'm trying to be complimentary. No, I appreciate. And it. And that like it's so <laughs> your your approach is so different than everybody else because you are a genuinely good person, which I don't understand. <laughs> like I just don't understand the concept of being a good person. So it's it's very weird. <laughs> Thank my parents. I appreciate that. <laughs> but appreciate he does have, he does have uh, sports opinions that can be sure. cutting, biting at times. Um, we were just talking about Gerard Gallant. So that's the good side of the story for, for Turk, for the Rangers, for Reeves. So address that. But then also, like, VGK fans right now are like, what has happened? I think that was the moment where it, it stopped being a Cinderella story when they got rid of Gallant. And they were – the entire fan base um, – became skeptical for the first time because they were all in. They were jumping on the wagon of whatever McPhee and McCrimmon did for two and a half years. And when they let go of Gallant, it was like, wait a second. This is, this is, this is a business and it's brutal. And then the, the flurry thing, I think a lot of people jumped off board. I heard, I heard you talking as I, w- as I was driving in about flurry and, and I agree about the Reeves being the missing component, but um, there is something to be said. Talk about things that don't show up in the box score. There's something to be said for guys rallying around a central figure. And I think Flurry provided that. I think I think that there was so much unknown in the goalie position this year for injuries and things out of everyone's control. But Flurry, good, bad, or otherwise, took a lot of the heat and took a lot of the uh, the attention, and guys could just play. I would argue that and say he didn't take the heat. He was, no matter what he did wrong, it was somebody else's fault, and nobody would ever blame him for anything. And why did they get rid of him? Because he was, I was going to say trash. That's not a fair word. He always collapsed in the playoffs. And what did he do again this year? He collapsed in the playoffs. Didn't and go he was well. making $7.5 million yep. to collapse in the playoffs. Like, that's why he was gone. And, and when I say he, I mean, like, spotlight. I mean, I think there's something to be said for guys just going out and playing free. And and playing and doing the roles, whereas Flurry occupied so much of the spotlight. Now, and now by, guys. By the way, so did Reeves. And, and yeah. we, we talk about him on the ice. Yep. Off the ice, 100%. even when Flurry didn't want to talk, we'd walk into that locker room and Reeves would just jump up, and be like, "All right, what do you guys got? Let's go." Like, so to your point, like that is another part they miss. We always talk about the on the ice. There is that off the ice of like, oh, Flurry messed up yesterday. He, you know, he allowed that silly goal. Oh, Ryan Reeves jump up, but hey, what do you guys want to talk about today? Right, what do you guys got? Like, blocking everybody else. So, like, there is that component of him, too. And I also think that fans and questions from the media, they couldn't get over the the flurry dismissal. They couldn't get over it. Couldn't move on. When when players left, you know, when Perron left and James Neal left, you know, that's part of the business. But fans couldn't get over flurry leaving, and they couldn't get over. And Reeves was such a a, a beloved figure it just kept on coming back and it just, it just wouldn't, it was a cloud kind of shrouding the organization. Mm-hmm. I felt all season. And I mean, I just from cover, I'm rooting for Gallant. I mean, I, I like to see a guy yeah, prove so himself. So am I. Well, some of us, so have, Adam, what, some so, of us have futures bets on the Rangers. We're really rooting. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so have you learned from John in his six <laughs> no, years here? No. Cause I remember when he tweeted the stuff out and I, when I read it, I was like, come on. Like, uh, give me a break. All the sappy stuff. You know, it's the end of an era. Oh, they, you know, they chose Leonard over Flurry, And I read it and I was like, nah. But I'm with John now. Like, it, ha- it is part of why the organization is kind of broken. This Probably. cutthroat stuff. Compl- and, and, and now here's the next challenge. 
Maybe everyone puts, you know, pulls up their big boy pants and they're like, hey, whatever happened, happened, and here's the next great coach to come in and make it work. But maybe there's some coaches out there who are like, hey, we've heard about you guys. Eh, no thanks. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to land a, a great coach, or have they soured some people around the league? I think they've soured a lot of people around the league, and the narrative is that it's a coach killer. I think that, it, I mean, there were a lot of issues, and you could you can point to how the goaltending was handled in the final two weeks of the season on DeBoer, but there were a lot of things, and the majority of them were not DeBoer's fault this year. I mean, it was a... It was a salary cap issue. It was an injury issue. And I thought this was his best coaching job yeah. in a lot of regards. And a lot of people around the league said if they snuck in the playoffs, he should win coach of the year. hundred percent. And he got just, he got slayed immediately. Like he was scapegoated immediately. And I'm surprised he's the only one who left, honestly. John Trench in studio this from 8 News. Now he's going to be moving on, moving out of Vegas. We don't know where he's going yet, but I'm sure it's uh, onward and upward to great things. Yeah, that is true. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot. Be. Well, there's a lot of things. Be. This is a tough place to leave. He's actually going to coach the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> that's his, that's his there's a lot of there's. You know how the industry is. I mean, um, it, you just can't. Vegas is a wonderful place. It isn't home for me, but it was. It's excruciatingly hard to leave due to the upward trajectory of the city. I mean, all the, all Vegas is doing is adding. Yeah. It's not subtracting. It's adding. And how many places are doing that? It's something I've I've said often, and you know, obviously this is about you. But when people say like, "Oh, you've stayed in Vegas like your whole career," and I'm like, "Yeah, the, I've moved up <laughs> right. by staying in Vegas. Like Vegas market is moving up, their major league teams are moving up. Like it, that is what this place is." But you're right; it's also like it, it it's very easy to get like caught here. 100. percent And the Aces, we you were talking about them in, in the first segment. Mm-hmm. They that is a fantastic brand of basketball. It is fun, it's and awesome. it's just Hall of Famers everywhere. I mean, in the WNBA with only 12 teams, I know, I know a lot of people probably haven't been to a game or whatever, but um, talk about just an efficient and fun style of basketball that they play. So I've enjoyed them this year. I think they're the, they are probably the most championship-ready team in the history of pro sports in Las Vegas. So what is the best local story you've covered over six years? There's a lot of stories. A lot of stories. Um, the, the, the one with the most personal reward for me is, is you cover the – the kids as they or the athletes as they are kids in Las Vegas, and you see them become pros. Mm-hmm. So being there on Troy Brown's draft night and Bryson Stott's draft night, that was personally rewarding. I mean, you're seeing a dream realized, and the emotion and the family and and the collateral effect it has. I mean, that is probably the, the sappiness that you're talking about. But, <laughs> of course it is, <laughs> but, but it's it, great. But that is, uh. I mean, to me, that is sports at its best, and and so I've really I've loved those. The actual. Moment, like single moment, Patrick McCaw hitting the running three against Reno when the team was in shambles. And that was as loud as I've heard the Mac here, which is sad. Yeah. Well, John, John's real interesting to talk to uh, off the air and over the year. You're interesting on the air, too. But um, I remember, like, when I first talked to you, when you were around UNLV Sports, you were, like, befuddled Ugh. by the way the community reacts to UNLV basketball and football. It's frustrating because there was such an opportunity for college sports to grow and thrive in that two-year window between 2016 and 2018, and it was missed. And it just, I mean, it is as apathetic of a college sports marketplace when it could, I mean, you look at all of the tangible factors, the city, the growth, 
18 year olds wanting to be in Las Vegas. Yeah. And it, and in my six years here, I've never seen UNLV basketball get to Friday of a Mountain West tournament on their own court. I've never seen UNLV football get a winning season. And it's just really frustrating because college sports, the way it has of you not, and just adding so much atmosphere and hype and, and anticipation to a sports scene. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it at its peak. And, uh, it just hasn't happened. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glass overflowing guy on, on UNLV, I think. Well, I, I well, mean, kind that, of let, let's real quick. We sure. got to pay some bills. We'll come back quick break. We'll come back. Cause I wanted to talk about Donovan Williams. Cause that could be a big part of that next step for UNLV basketball. If he comes back, then I think UNLV can actually go out there with expectations to win uh, 20 games. And we'll talk about what Arroyo is doing. Cause uh, this is a, the weirdest recruiting I've ever followed, uh, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Base hit. Zeisler in easily. Here comes Williams. The throw. He's in. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Oh, boy. I was just saying I'm glass overflowing, and then uh, Vast Sound Crew grabs a UNLV baseball highlight. Two and out in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. What a friggin' bummer. Uh, the few times I get to see John out and about, he'll, he's been mentioning uh, baseball season, and God, that that sucked that uh, the Rebels fell short. They were, were going to have to win the Mountain West to make the tournament. So, uh yeah, the committee made a lot of people mad with their uh, with their bracket. Two teams from the WAC made it. I mean, it's just bizarre. In college baseball. Two really... best hitting teams in the country aren't in? Right. And you want to mention the other one besides UNLV? Rutgers. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big Adam, Adams, Michigan right. squad beat them for the Big Ten title. And uh, I think they had 46 wins and they didn't make the tournament. So real slap in the face of East Coast baseball. <laughs> it, really is. Is it? it is. I mean, because I think a lot of it was, and the same thing. I mean, I saw Stan Stolte said, "Hey, it's West Coast baseball. I mean, come on, we, we you know we won all these games. We were the regular season champ. We got to get in for you know a team from New Jersey not to get in with forty six wins and leading the country in runs and average, like in a that, power conference and in a power five conference. I guess it doesn't matter. No. So non con matters. You better go out and play some people. And UNLV did that, but they just there was no consistency um, with pitching this year. And I mean, I blame Air Force. Air Force. Is my God. Air Force game. What was that? Eric Fetty never won at Air Force. Like, it's just a tough place to play. Like, I mean, for it's whatever nuts. reason, it's an albatross. And so I, I don't understand. So John's leaving the market. He's with uh, 8 News now. And we don't know what he's going to do. We don't. We have no idea. He could. He could be going on a, a you know a peacekeeping mission for the next five years. I don't know. Maybe he's, not, know. Even, maybe he's not even leaving the market. I don't know. Maybe. Ooh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> but stirred up. I mean, it cer- certainly sounds like he is. Uh, you were expressing just the frustration of covering UNLV sports and how much potential there is there, and you know not you know coming through yet with football and men's basketball. Adam, you were going to jump in with something. I don't know if you remember after four minutes. What no, you're I think say. The, the part of what he said is the the apathy of the fans, and yeah. and you know. You mentioned the the lack of success, but I mean th- that's that's what this market has always been. It's what I've been saying for twenty years on the radio here. Like yeah. this town will he's, not. He's always been a like, cynical jerk, and I push back. Knights, I push back Knights. on him, and he keeps saying, "If you don't win here, people aren't going to show up." Like the Golden people thought the Golden Knights were bad this year. Like the Golden Knights were not bad. They were <laughs> they were they were like the best team. That, by the way, they were better than a bunch of teams that were in the playoffs. But they were the best team not in the playoffs. They weren't bad. When that team's bad, 
Oh, man. Wait to see what T-Mobile Arena looks like. It's going to be crazy. And so that's what this market is for sports fans. It's not. It's. I've always said it's not great. Like It will very much support winners. It will very much support things when, when events are cool. If it's cool to post on Instagram that you're at a game, it's going to be very popular at those games. And when it's not, it won't be. And that, that's what the market's been. And I think people don't understand the the correlation between supporting a program in college mm-hmm. and then that program having success based on the like the support will help the help speed the process of improving a team and i don't think people get that part of it you're 100% correct that's what's different is that it doesn't have to be a um both at the same time situation and in places where we're from new jersey michigan nebraska like the, it's important uh to Stand by, you know, not be fair weather, not be front running. And here, it's just different. Could you imagine if the Golden Knights become the Coyotes as far as on-ice success? I mean, they're going to need to rely on tourist fans. They're going to need to rely, like, almost exclusively. I mean. Yeah, 100% they will. And, And at some point, I think it's going to be a lot longer. Uh, but and and tourists will very much support the the Raiders no matter what. I mean, there people are going to come watch those games, but and it's much more difficult. But yeah, that that's going to be what it becomes if the team is not an elite team. That that's just the reality of Las Vegas right now. And maybe it'll change over the years, and maybe having perfect you know sorry major league sports is going to change it. But I, I don't think so. I think that's just what this market is. I like the opportunity for UNLV to get athletes from the area back, right? Uh, yeah. You talked to Isaiah Cottrell last week, I think, right? What'd you Yesterday. What did you think when you talked to him? Oh, I think I think he's special, and I think it really matters. Getting it from the power program in town, getting a guy who can play. I mean, he could have gone to any Power 5 school and had a role. Um, he was starting for most of his freshman year at West Virginia, a team mm-hmm. coming off an NCAA tournament, coming off an Achilles tear. He's a 6'10 big man who can, who is an adept shooter and who can get physical. And he is like the kind of guy, he's a Donovan Williams-like athlete in terms of he gets he builds momentum from his hustle and from his plays i think he's going to be special i i i and he's the first big man from las vegas to play for unlv since zimmerman that's 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 not a small deal what do you think is gonna happen with donovan williams i hope he comes back you look at last year it's just like 22 minutes a game and what he was averaging and what he was able to produce 48 percent shooting his trajectory, we talk about trajectory, God, he could be he could be a draft pick if he comes back and has uh if he if he can add on to those numbers incrementally. I mean, if, if he's averaging thirty two minutes and not twenty two minutes, I mean, that's the Mountain West player of the year, potentially. You know, the football is having to build it a little bit differently, a lot through the transfer portal. I mean, so so is you know the basketball. Obviously, they uh, they had a bunch of guys either leave or, you know, maybe they were told to Go look for other opportunities. So uh, Kevin Kruger has no problem building through the transfer portal. Football is a little different, though, because um, you do have to have guys in the program and you have to have, you know, big, strong, mature guys. And the way they're building this is is really unique. And I don't know that other schools aren't doing it because it's wrong. I just think it, right now UNLV kind of has to do it because the, the timetable has been accelerated on a rail. 100% has been accelerated, especially with the new athletic director. And um, it may work. But that's the thing with junior college players. When you're bringing in a bunch of junior college players, they aren't proven against that level of competition. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it is as big of a gamble, and it may work. It It's worked at places before. I mean, Kansas State is the best example over the years. Um, and, and and with their schedule, they could, they could potentially, if they can beat Cal early. Right. 
Got to beat North Texas. Got to beat North that's Texas. Got, that's a game they have to get done. Cal might not be a win. Certainly have to beat Idaho State. But, uh, yeah, the interesting thing is, and, and we'll go through this a little more with the numbers, um, you know, it's not real publicized, but as guys are committing, and there's been a ton of JUCOs committing to UNLV lately, I think their total class is up to, like, 30 or 31 guys, including preferred walk-ons. And I remember coming out of the spring, and I was like, wow, they only – they only took 17 commits so far. That's small because they said they could take upwards of like 32. And then all of a sudden it's been like, you know, guy who's been at four places, guy who's been at three places. They, a lot of guys appear to have size. And the other thing is, if you don't think Keith Hayward, the uh, D.C., has some influence on the team, he must have looked around and he's like, we got to get more help because they have added. I think they're up to like five defensive backs added, and that's before the freshmen are here. I think three defensive linemen. So they've been trying to build up the defense, and they, and they know. They know after last year they got tired late in games. They wound up going what, you know, in eight point games, zero and six. So, like, we got to add to this defense. We got to have more depth and we got to have more competition. I like it. And you look at the the big loss was the transfer of Jacoby Whitman yep. to Michigan State. I mean, he's an NFL kind of player, and he, I mean, he could be he could be on an All Big Ten list. And I don't know if you can fill that void with three JUCO bodies, but they're going to try. And I I appreciate the ambition. Like, I mean, they had a strategy: go low on. High school kids, that's what a lot of people are doing. But, I mean, and then just hope to hit on, if you can get 50% success rate out of the JUCOs, I mean, it's... Well, it's crazy. It's almost like JUCOs and Division Two on down is now your high school recruiting. Yeah. Like, kids don't, they're not getting as many scholarships as they used to out of high school, so then they have to go somewhere and improve themselves, and then, hey, they're bigger, stronger. They use that year or two of development somewhere else, and now they're hopefully ready to come in. And they do have, they have some JUCOs who have turned into great players, like... Lel uh, Himere is, is arguably outside of Ajake and Jure Williams, who we haven't seen yet, but uh, Himere has been a massive success story at a Juco, and so has Malakius. And on defense, I mean, if you just get some playmakers, it's kind of like in the way basketball has become. It can, you can almost make it positionless. You just got to get matchups. And if they got athletes who can play at that level and maybe even above the level of uh, the, the Mountain West, I mean, they got a chance. What are we looking at with your... Cornhuskers. Uh-oh, there's a long pause there. It's all about the quarterback play, honestly. Because they, they had a lot of problems last year in close games. They, they lost a lot of close games. So even if you turn those coin flips into half wins, all of a sudden, at least you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, nine losses, eight by one score. And then <laughs> the ninth was uh, to Ohio State by nine points. So... Um, Doesn't Martinez have like five years of eligibility Martinez left? is going gonna, is gonna to start or is going to fire up the engine at K-State. God bless him. <laughs> Uh, He's out now. They brought in two transfers. Yeah, yeah. yeah they brought in uh, Thompson from Texas, whose dad Charles Thompson was the Oklahoma quarterback who beat Nebraska, killed Nebraska yeah. back in the day. No, so it's no. Sometimes you got to go into the dark arts. You got to get <laughs> you get the son <laughs> of an Oklahoma quarterback. Sure. No, you just you got to fire it up the wizardry, and I think that Nebraska is going to do that. And I'm we're nervous. I mean, it's we're nervous. Uh, we are. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to be nervous about. They should be better. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, then. Onto someone else. Oh, man. Maybe get the right guy that time. <laughs> I know. I, I, what do you think they would have been if uh, if they had just stuck with Frank Solich for like another 20 years? It would have been pretty similar to the Bo Pelini era, the 8-4, and 9-3. and, three, and with, with some good years here and there, with some though. Good like years. With an outstanding, you know, probably 10 or 11 win year. A Fiesta which, Bowl. A mix which now Fiesta looking back on, you're like, that oh would be God, pretty good. Sign up for that. <laughs> no, I, I mean... It is the conversation that you have when you call home with anybody. I mean, you talk to... Talk, I mean... I mean, that's just the way we are. And uh, they are not Fairweather fans, but I tell you what, uh, they're frustrated. And 
Well, they showed up. They were what? There were probably 50,000, 45,000 at the spring game, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what else was there to do? Harvest was or the spring, planting was over, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Adam's a big uh, Omaha guy, right? Aren't you? Weren't you? Uh, wasn't that one of the cities you tout? Another one of the Midwest cities that you like? No. Oh, no, you're oh, crapping no. on it. No. Wrong guy. No. No. Oops. Definitely not. You liked Omaha. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. No. Okay, well, that's my hometown. So <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I was only there for a couple of days. No, I understand. You didn't. You didn't get to meet the people. And, uh, Oklahoma City's not bad. I, I do like Oklahoma City. Indianapolis obviously is. He loves Indianapolis. We argue about that way too often. But Great sports think, city. I don't think John would consider Indianapolis Midwest. Aren't you? Isn't it just like. Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Isn't right. that the Midwest to you? The Midwest to me is the Great Plains. I think Michigan <laughs> is a stretch too. I mean, go back to the Great Lakes. And wow. No, I no, I mean a little rust out <laughs> there. I yeah. think it's fair. I think that uh yeah. Uh Nebraska and Omaha, it it's a acquired taste. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to really put John on the griddle. John Trench is with us from Aid News Now and have him make predictions on most of the major teams in the market and if their coach will be here in five years. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. I'm looking for very, very close series, uh, very close games. I just think Boston is a little bit deeper, a little bit bigger, and I like what Marcus Smart said. I think Marcus Smart is the X factor in this series. The way his offensive game has improved and, and gradually improved, and his ability to be able to defend. Multiple guys they can throw at uh, Steph Curry and run at him. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Adam Hill is here as a company. It's Cofield. That was uh, Antoine Walker, former Celtic, on the way back talking about Marcus Smart, expecting a good series. Edge to the Celtics, so we'll get into that uh, throughout the show as the finals. We get a little break here. Don't start up until Thursday. We've got basketball locally, Aces at Mandalay Bay. You can hear the call of the game, 6 o'clock tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 530. We cut out for the pregame. John Trich is with us from 8 News Now. He's actually leaving the Vegas market, and we were just kind of going over his experience uh, in Las Vegas. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to give you a tough one here, right? Um, your cohort, uh, Kevin E. at Channel 8, had a good tweet about two weeks ago. Head coaching changes over just the last five years in Vegas sports. She lists all the different, you know, different teams, you know, uh, UNLV football, Sanchez to Arroyo, uh, women's basketball, Olivier to LaRock, Gallant to PD, uh, yeah, PDB, uh, to Unknown, right? Lambeer to Hammond. So I'm going to go through the current coaches. You tell me who's going to be here in five years. And this could go either way. Like they have immense success and they get their salary, you know, quadrupled and they get to live whatever dream they have, or maybe it just doesn't work out. I think Kevin Kruger could be here for five years. You do. I do. Okay. I, I think that, I think he's a guy who wants stability. I don't know if he's a guy who's going to chase. Um, I think, Adam? I think there's a good chance he's here. Okay. Okay, John, I cut you off. No, you're good. No, it's good. Uh, Hammond, I think, because she's going to get paid. And as long as, it's where un- where is she going? Yeah. Well, where where would she go? So she's getting paid, right? So you think she could stay around for five years? She could be here five years from now. Okay. Back I do. I, just because she's such a great fit for the organization, and she's, I mean, so far you talk about Q rate. I mean, I mean, she's beloved, and she gets it. Uh, and as long as it's under, I mean, we're projecting, but as long as it's under Raider Mark Davis control, I mean. There's no cap on the coaches either. Yep. Right? You can pay them. Everybody else, I think, I mean, Golden Knights, there's no way you can say that they're going to have a guy for two years. Well, that's pretty definitive. So Barry Trotz gets hired. He's not here five years. Yeah. 
Has he been in any job for? <laughs> he's a, he's a, a short answer. Guy. It's a good, good yeah. touche. It's not. It wouldn't yeah. just be the Knights, okay? Adam, do you think he's the front runner? I think so. I mean, I it, I think we're we're not used to the off season NHL coaching search carousel, and it seems that like it moves a lot slower than it does in other leagues, especially because they don't interview guys that are working like they do in like the NFL. So you know, we haven't been through this. The only coaching search we went through was a you know, two-day search in the middle of the season where they already had their candidate. So I, I don't think it's that un, un, uh, unorthodox or unusual. Um, and I do feel like he's probably the front runner. And there, there's kind of, you know, there's some moving pieces out there for sure. Um, what other teams could open up and who else could be available and a lot of other things. But, yeah, I feel like he's the front runner. I know Trotz loves it here. You know, all those, uh, um, you know, showcase award shows or whatever, he just raved about Las Vegas. Oh, okay. And he's here a lot in the offseason. Good. I hope they get him. Yeah. I hope they get him. You know, I, I think the Knights are on that level where they're, you know, one of the stars of the league. So, and Foley, you know, he wants to win. Hard charging, <laughs> as I said earlier. Josh McDaniels. I just think that the state of the organization right now, I'll give them this. They're interesting. And I, <laughs> they are. They are they're incredibly interesting and they're always I mean you look at just occupying headlines and the forefront of the league it must drive the league nuts because they are always but <laughs> stability is not their strength it it hasn't been in my lifetime there's no way I can say given that the like the, his predecessor had a 10 year contract and didn't make it through four yeah. like how could I think McDaniels could be here in five. Uh, glass overflowing, Cofield, as I always am. Um, McDaniel, <laughs> what? McDaniel's and Ziegler win at a high level, and then Belichick's ready to walk, and Kraft, you know, breaks the bank to bring him back. Possible, which would be good for the. I mean, they wouldn't want to lose him, but that means they must have been good. I, I, if Kraft I, wants him. Listen, I, you know, from the beginning, I thought they should have come in and cleaned house and started over and, and tried to build for. Two, and Adam wanted to now. tear it all down and get rid of um, I think. Well, I think. I think what they did is put a lot more pressure on themselves. I mean, you're you're trying to go all in right now on a division as like three of the other best teams in the entire in the entire league, and if it doesn't work, then you have to start a rebuild. You're not going to be here, which which sucks for them because I think they're very qualified and I think they could do very well. And I I just think they made a calculation error in terms of even their own future of trying right now. I I think it says a lot about. Uh, the cachet car has, yeah, league wide, sure, and it, you know I think that Raider fans can be myopic, but I mean he they coaches professionals Gruden McDaniel's they had plenty of opportunities to move on, and they didn't really do much to do that. Well, John's moving on. <laughs> this is gonna be good. Great. Good. 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 <laughs> which, I'm here for it. Which sucks. It's uh. I guess it's rare. I mean, makes uh, media rooms much more cynical. That's for sure. That's for sure. I know we lose a lot because it, it puts us all in check. I'm telling you. Yeah. John's at a press conference or in a scrum, and you're like, eh, maybe I got to dial it down a little bit, and maybe I should look at the subjects and there care was, care about them. There was a couple care moments, about the athletes. A couple moments I got very proud of John with the, where his anger would start to bubble up, and I'd be like, come on, and do like, it. it. Just wouldn't, lose wouldn't it. quite come through. There were some moments I was proud of. We'll keep in touch because, uh, you know, we definitely want you on down the road and hopefully you land where you want to land. I want to say that 
I think the world of your people don't give you a ton of credit oh, for your work ethics. <laughs> you guys work your <laughs> ass off. We don't get any credit for our work ethic. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just stop. We don't. We don't like this. No, we don't like this part. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to if you don't mean it. <laughs> I do mean it. <laughs> I respect you two so much. So I appreciate you having Thanks, me. Thanks, John. In. That was great. It was great. And uh, good luck to John as he uh, he moves on. And we meant everything we said. Uh, follow him on Twitter. You're going to stick with hometown JT. Stick with that. That oh. is a great Twitter handle.